15, if you will. We'll get back in our study point here in Romans 15. And uh, we'll let folks come in as they go. Romans 15, uh, let's just start reading in verse 8 again. And uh, we're going to look here at this section, kind of wrap this up here a little bit. Uh, Verse 8, now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, for this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. And again he saith, Rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. And again, Isaiah saith, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. And again, this section here, uh, you need to have a very uh, clear uh, dispensational understanding in this section. Uh, This section is is, uh, greatly misunderstood. It has tremendous points where People trip over it and fall and, and, and kind of come in and do and so forth. And uh, it, it's something that we have to remember as we go through it, what Paul is doing here and what the apostle is not doing here. Um, what he is doing is, uh, I should say, let's just say what he's not saying, okay? When he goes in verse 9, 10, and 11, and 12, where Paul goes back in the Old Testament, Again, verse 4, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Again, the things that were written aforetime were written for our learning. Not obedience, not adherence to, but to learn something, to see something about who God is, His character, His integrity, His justice. So as, we, as Paul brings in the Old Testament now, He's not saying that God had the church, the body of Christ, on his mind all along through the Old Testament. Okay? The Old Testament, the prophetic program, it's about Israel and the earth. He's not thinking about you and I in the the body of Christ and the dispensation of grace. So, therefore, Paul is also not saying that prophecy is being fulfilled today. It's been interrupted. Romans 11, we've been... In the study, down in verse 13, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Believing what? See? Well, the doctrine we've learned in Romans to this point. Okay? That's the, that's the, the, the whole issue. If, if you come back into chapter 5, I believe it is. Yeah, chapter 5. Or actually, chapter 6, I'm sorry, verse 17. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. He's talking about the information in Romans. Okay, Romans is the first epistle. It's that foundation epistle. So you're going to be believing the Word of God, obviously, but also hear what's happening. So when you come back to 15.8, Again, what is the context that we're talking about? Well, we go back up to verse 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Verse 7. 
Wherefore, receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. I'll remind you, in verse 4 you have hope, and in verse 13 you have hope. So we have those bookends. So the context here of verse 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12, and 13, set coming out of that relationship between the stronger believer and the weaker believer, and how that's to work. What are we to do? 14.1, we're to receive them. So then Paul goes over here into the Old Testament and he says, now watch how God is going to one day receive the Gentiles. And if he can do that through Israel, then guess what? You can receive the weaker too. And actually, you better. <laughs> okay. As strong as grace, better, you better, you better. Okay. So when Paul goes through here, again, he's not saying that if when you read Israel in the Old Testament, think body of Christ. No, we don't replace them. He's not saying God's thinking, and so the Gentiles here, when he quotes Psalms 118, when he quotes Deuteronomy 32, when he quotes Psalms 117, he's not saying he's looking forward to, he's actually looking at the issue here of pointing out, look at God as believable, he's faithful, you can trust him. And then we'll see the issue of his mercy. And that's the issue here. He's going to go back into history and he's going to point out that God had made promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And through Jacob and the tribe of Judah, obviously into Israel. And in that promise, it involves Gentile salvation. And it's been that way all along. And we looked last time, we went back to Genesis 12, and we saw the promise in verse 3 there, how he's going to be a ble- Abraham and his seed is going to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. And then we went over to Genesis 22, and that all the families has changed to all the nations. So you've got this shift here, and what Paul's demonstrating is look at the character of God. Look at his, 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 uh, his veracity, his integrity. He said he was going to do this, and because he said he's going to do it, he's going to do it. Remember the two immutable, I swear by myself, and there's nobody else. That's why you raise your right hand and you swear to God. Why? Because there's no one bigger than him. And then, and then he gave his word on it, so now you and I, we too can understand that he's believable. And what he tells us he's going to do for us in the church, in the dispensation of grace, in the heavenly places, we can then say, Yes, because we walk by faith. We don't walk by sight. And the only way to know that what God tells us he's going to do is to believe his word. Okay? So, verse 8, Jesus Christ. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of circumcision. Don't let the new Bible switch that up on you. Has, Has become. That's the new King James. And, no, he was, past tense. Some of the new Bibles say is the minister, as in presently. No, presently, what is he? Presently, he's the king on exile. He's been rejected, but he's working through a, the heavenly ministry. So he, God has made some promises. Jesus Christ came. He fulfilled them, which indicated that what it, God's word is to be believable. Then verse 9, and this is kind of where we left last time, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy. His mercy 
is going to be extended to, his, his, to, to the very enemy of his. That pagan, idol-worshiping dog, the Gentile. He's, he's going to extend it, but because of the dispensational setting, Israel is what? Romans 11, cast away. And God's viewpoint, they're not my people right now. I'm doing something else. I had to get outside of that covenant relationship. But yet, simply because that's Israel's status today in the age of grace doesn't mean that that prophetic hope has been done away with. It's still in play. Now, Jesus Christ confirmed the promises. We had a question Sunday night about this. Come with me to Matthew 11. Okay, get Matthew 11. We'll do this real quickly. Matthew 11 and get Isaiah 35. When he confirm, how does he confirm the promises? Okay, you go back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, and there's the, he's talking to Satan, and there's the seed of the woman is going to bruise your seed one day down the road. The seed of the woman turns into the seed of Abraham, Isaac, not Ishmael, Jacob, not Esau. And then in Jacob, you go over there in Genesis 49 where Jacob gives the, 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 the prophetic view of, of his 12 boys. And Judah is where the king's going to come out and the scepter's going to sit. Matthew 11, Isaiah 35. Go to Isaiah 35, just real quick, verse 4. Isaiah 35, 4. Say to them that are of fearful heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. So are they, getting, are they being foretold, promised, that God's going to come and save them? Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out, and streams in the deserts, and parched ground shall become a pool. And, on you, and you get that wonderful picture of the millennial kingdom, the, 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 the kingdom being established. But notice what's going to happen when their God comes. What's going to happen? The eyes of the blind are open, the ears of the deaf are in the lame manner, and the tongue of the... Doesn't that sound like somebody we know? Now come to Matthew 11. In Matthew 11, John the Baptist guys show up and they ask the Lord, you know, hey, are you really him? Okay. And there's a, there's a conversation back and forth. Verse 4, Jesus answered and said unto them, go and show John again. Notice, show John again. John the Baptist is well aware of what the Lord has been doing. Those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor uh, have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And as they departed, see, so what did the Lord just say? Go show John again everything I've been doing, which fulfilled what? Isaiah 35. So when he's walking the earth, that's why Peter in Acts 2 We'll say to those guys in, uh, down about verse 35, 36, he's, the, he's Christ, he's Jesus, and God the Father made him Lord and Christ. See? Why? He's come, he's confirmed everything 
that was prophesied about the Messiah, but also about their king. So when you come back to Romans 15, he was the minister of circumcision. Now, next week, hopefully, that will become an important statement when we get down in, in verse 15. In, uh, Rome, I'm back in Romans 15 now. In verse 15 and 16, where Paul's going to say, I was a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. And there's going to be a, there's going to be a, a comparison and a, and a Christ was this in his earthly ministry, and now he's doing this with me over here in his heavenly ministry. But go back into 15.8. So I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promise made unto the fathers, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Verse 9. And that the Gentiles, by the way, and. You see the and? So there's some things that are happening here. In the, in the gospel, well, I, I, we're going to start teaching Luke tonight. Okay? Luke is a wonderful man, okay? And yet he has a viewpoint of a Gentile in Israel's program. It's very fascinating how he does that. Anyway, and the Gentile might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written. I love that. Now, God will receive the Gentile. Israel will receive the Gentile in the future. So guess what? you today can receive the weak. Who's the stronger in the Old Testament, Israel or Gentiles? Israel is. They're God's people. They were given the oracles of God were given to them. So as the stronger, what should they be able to do? Receive the weaker. And I know what happens. What about Matthew 10 where Jesus says, don't go in. Well, there's a reason why he says don't go to the Gentiles right there. Because Israel is not in the proper position. They're not in the position to be a channel of blessing for the Gentiles. They have to get there. That's why the Lord comes. He goes, I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. I'm here for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So we're not wasting our time with the Gentiles right now. Waste is not the right word. We're not interested in that. We're going to come over here and we're going to deal with that apostate nation and we're going to wring its neck and get it set, okay, and establish the little flock. That's why in Ephesians 2, when you read over there in verse 11 and 12, the uncircumcision called by that which is circumcision, and there, and, and in time past, where were you? You were without hope, you are without Christ, you are without God. Why? Because God never promised the Gentiles anything on their own. What they're going to get, as here His mercy, is because God has is going to provide that mercy through the promises made to Israel. And that's what we're doing here. There hasn't been any promises made directly to the Gentiles in the Old Testament. What they're going to get is they're going to get mercy, and that mercy comes as a result of the promises made to Israel. As it is written. It's written down, and guess what? God's going to do it. Again, those two immutable issues. I say it, I swear by myself, and then I wrote it down. And I'm true to both. Now watch verse 10. And again he saith, Rejoice ye Gentiles, notice, with his people. 
Now, let me ask you something. Is, that hap- is any of this happening today? Are the Gentile nations rejoicing with the nation of Israel today? No, you, they're trying to wipe them off the map, aren't they? See, we're not here. We're dis- there's a dispensational thing here that has to always be in the back of our mind. Israel has fallen. Acts 7. The fall, they stumbled. They didn't fall, but then they fall. Romans 11, 11. And we are... In Israel's absence, the church, the body of Christ now, is on board. And we can rejoice in that, quite honestly. Because now, what is the body made up of? Jew and Gentile, equally. The mediator, Paul says to Timothy, the mediator between God and man is who? The man Christ Jesus, not the nation of Israel, which was what it was in the past. And we're going to see some of that as we go here. Come back. Notice this, with his people. Come back to Deuteronomy 32. So there's a dispensational issue here. Deuteronomy 32. Deuteronomy 32. And, And I know what happens when people get into Romans 9, 10, and 11. That's why we spent as much time in it as we did. And they say, oh, you guys don't like, you dispensational people hate the Jews. No, not at all. They're just not in that favored position right now. That's it. God says, you're what? You're a sinner. But you know that the Lord was saying that to Israel in his earthly ministry? You guys are just sons of Adam. And you need to get that second birth. You need to get that spiritual issue fixed. He said, he's been saying that over and over to them. They just don't get it like, they don't come through Paul's gospel. They come through the kingdom gospel. Deuteronomy 32, verse 43. Rejoice, O ye nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance to his adversaries and will be merciful unto his land and to his people. Now, that's notice, rejoice, O ye who? Nations, Gentiles, but with who? With his people. Now, think about this. God has already given the law of Moses, the Mosaic covenant here. And within that... What is his heart's desire? Is that the nations rejoice with who? With Israel. That hasn't changed. That hasn't, even though the law, Abraham, you're going to be a blessing to the families of the nations, of the the earth and so forth. Even under the Mosaic Covenant, what's their deal? Gentile salvation is the ultimate goal. Now, Israel isn't right. Israel is wrong. We're in Deuteronomy. What happened? They come up to the land, they send the spies in, they say, no, 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 you know. And God says, well, you ain't going in, this generation ain't going in, we'll wait for the younger. So Moses, give it to him again, and he does. Now, that's the R.J. shortened version, okay? But that's what we're doing. God has already given the law, and in that, the Gentiles are going to rejoice with Israel. Come over to Isaiah chapter 60, watch this. Isaiah chapter 60. It's very important here that you catch how this is going to happen, when this is going to be. But Isaiah 60, notice the condition of the world here. Isaiah 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Talking to Israel. 
For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. Think about that. Darkness is going to cover the earth. There's the Gentiles. Gross darkness has covered the people, Israel. That's who he's talking to. Now, what kind of darkness? This isn't, I mean, it's kind of dark outside, you know. The, 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 the other day, I slept till 8.30. I've never slept that late in a long time. And I looked at, I said, Linda, what happened? She goes, well, the sun never came up because it was cloudy. And, you know, and I'm, well, it's not that kind of darkness. I'm sorry, you know. I, I'm going to take a hint from my children and get one of those eye patch things and, you know, blackout. No, it's not that. It's spiritual darkness, isn't it? That darkness that comprehended the light, not, that couldn't comprehend the light, John 1. That spiritual darkness, satanic captivity, holds the world. But it also holds who? Israel. And what Satan's trying to do with the world and with Israel is blind, Paul says it in 2 Corinthians 4, blind the minds of the lost. How does he do it? He keeps them in ignorance. That's how he blinds them. How does he keep Israel away from being God's people? Ignorance. Yea, hath God said. <laughs> keep them in ignorance. Keep them blinded. The people, Israel, the nations, the world, they're all under that satanic captivity, that issue of ignorance. So spiritual darkness has gripped the Gentile. Come over. You're in Isaiah. Come back to chapter 25. But it's also gripped the people, Israel. They're in apostasy in the Lord's day, in the Lord's earthly ministry. He comes in there, and Mark 7 just nails them. And he, in Matthew 24, 23, Woe unto you, hypocrites! Woe unto you, Pharisees and scribes! Hypocrites! Whoa, okay. You know, everybody thinks the Lord's meek and mild. He wasn't meek and mild at all. Actually, he peeled the hide back on those guys several times. Why? Because they're in blindness and they're leading the nation. He says, you, do, you, you make the word of God of none effect. Why? Teaching what? Commandments of men and, doctrine, and commandments of the elders. You're tithing on the mint and the, the, the anise, the little things, and you're ignoring the heavier things of the law. My house, the temples, will be a house of prayer. We'll see that here in just a minute. You guys have made it a house of thie a den of thieves. I'm leaving, so your house now is desolate. By the way, it's their house, not my father's house anymore. Why? He's leaving. By the way, that's where we're at in Mark 13. <laughs> okay? See, this isn't, Paul's not bringing up anything that isn't the case. He's like, look at this. See this, guys. Because, what's, again, what is the ultimate goal here? Receiving the Gentile, the weaker individual in the, in, the, in, the, in the relationship. So Israel has joined the Gentiles in blindness, in ignorance. Isaiah 25. Look, if you will, here at verse 6. And in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto how many people? All people. That's Jew and Gentile. That's all of them. What's he going to do? A feast of fat things. A feast of wines on the lees. A, a fat things full of marrow, of wines on the lees will refi well refine. Fat. Uh, <laughs> I, I think about that uh, being fat. 
you know. Uh, the fat, but yeah, the fat, the uh, Proverbs 28, 5, the end of the verse says, Trust in the Lord, uh, but he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. So when, when I was heavy, I was like, I'm trusting in the Lord a lot, man. Look at, you know, no, fat, the overabundance of something. It's spilling off the table here of blessing. 25, verse 7. And he will destroy in this mountain the kingdom we're talking about. The millennial kingdom starts it, but his kingdom, Daniel 2, 44 and 45, that kingdom he's going to set up. He will destroy in this mountain. Now watch. The face of the covering cast over all people and the veil that is, a, that is spread over all nations. What's covering the earth? Darkness. Go back to Isaiah 60. The spiritual darkness. Isaiah 60, verse 2. By the way, in 25, 7, the veil, that's the ignorance. The veil of ignorance over them. So God's view of the world is it's what? Covered in satanic captivity. And it's all designed to keep all humanity, all of mankind, ignorant of what God's doing. Isaiah 60. By the way, Ephesians 6, verse 12, the Apostle Paul talks about rulers of the darkness. See, we're not, we're not free of this status today. You look around Christianity, and I call it Christian dumb. Why? Because they flock around in a lot of ignorance. They refuse to See, they don't want to see what's going. He's just got, Satan's just got them right where he wants them. That Colossians two eight, he's got them in philosophies and traditions and all. He just got them. You and I come in, shine a little light on the subject, then we're we're the we're the bad guy, and that's okay. We'll be the bad guy, but what are we? That's where we're at. Isaiah sixty, that gripping ignorance from being in satanic captivity has influenced and has impacted both the Gentile and Israel. And that what, that's what makes them being a part of that restoration, pro Israel, being that channel. Verse 3, 60 verse 3. And the Gentiles shall come to thy, what? Light. And the kings to the brightness of thy rising. Light. Isn't that opposite of darkness? You see, with ignorance, you have darkness. With knowledge and truth and wisdom and understanding, what do you have? Light. See? Thy word is a lamp. It's under the path. I light. And that's what he's doing here. Israel had the responsibility of God's word. They had it. And, they, and the Gentiles are going to come to some information, some knowledge, some truth. Verse 3, that Israel, as that kingdom of priests, as that royal priesthood, out there in that millennial kingdom, come over to Matthew 28. We're, gonna, we're beating the horse here. But you got to see this, because what happens is, is well-meaning people take Romans 15 and they pull us, the church, back and put us back into that Old Testament. And that just isn't what Paul's doing. And don't let them do that to you. Because it literally takes away 
the, the blessings, it takes away the understanding of what God's whole design in the earth and Israel was all about. And there is the rising of they, them. They're what? They're where they're supposed to be. They are that royal priesthood. Look here at Matthew 28. Just notice this. You see, Israel has a responsibility to go to that Gentile and to teach the word of God to them. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, this will be the eleven, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now, when has that been true? It's only been true one time. What just happened in Matthew 28, 27, and 28? Calvary. He just won the keys of death and hell, didn't he? But only one time in history will he be able to say, all power is mine now. Where is that? That future kingdom. The second coming, he's come back in wrath and vengeance and destroyed the enemy, avenged the enemy, did all of that for Israel. Now he says what? In the kingdom, I have it all. All of it is now mine. It's in my possession. Now Paul shines some more details on that in Colossians and other passages. It says he's openly triumphing over them in it already. It's just not in the reality of history. What are they going to do? Verse 19, go ye therefore and teach all nations. What are they going to go do? They're taking God's word. What's God's word to the Gentiles through Israel? I will have mercy upon you. That's his message. I, this is going to, they're going to teach the word of God. That's what's going to begin to, that light of the word begins to remove the ignorance begins to remove that covering. You see that? Now, what, also, what are they going to do? They're going to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now, by the way, when he says, Go ye therefore into all the nations, that excludes Israel. Numbers 23 says that Israel is not to be numbered among the nations. The new covenant, Jeremiah 31, says that you're going to go to your, you don't need to go to your neighbor. Your neighbor knows me. You already got it. You don't need that. So when they go into all the nations, that's a Gentile nation. So if you follow Matthew 28 as your commission, you cannot speak to a Jew about their soul salvation. That verse prohibits that. You just can't do it because they're not numbered among the nations. But yet, what are they? They're sinners. They're on their way. Okay, so dispensationally, you got to be in the right footing. Go back to Isaiah 60. Hold on to Matthew 28 just for a second, but let's go back to Isaiah 60. I know I'm dumping a lot on you here, but the Old Testament gets that way. And I'll be honest with you, Linda's been doing these Thomas Kincaid puzzles, and they're leaving a piece out. We got three of them in, three pieces are missing. It's, and it's just a piece, and it's like, why in the world would you do, do that? And we can't figure it out. The Old Testament's the same way. You got to put all the puzzle pieces in before you can just jettison it, okay? Uh, Isaiah 60, go back there to verse 3 real quick here. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and the kings of the brightness of thy rising. Again, there's the millennial kingdom. Lift up thine eyes round about and what? See. All they gather themselves together. 
Now the they here are going to be who? Gentiles. Lift up thine eyes. There's Israel. Israel, look around here. See what's happening. They come to thee. Thy son shall come from uh, far, and thy daughter shall be nursed at thy side. Then thou shalt see and flow together, and thine heart shall fear and be enlarged, because the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto thee. The forces of the Gentiles shall come unto thee. Man, look at that. Watch the Gentiles flow to Israel. They ain't doing that today. But they will out there. Why? Because Israel is in a rightful place, and the blessings are beginning to flow through from God through Israel and out. Come over to Zechariah chapter 2. Zechariah, it's right before Malachi. When we get done with Mark, the goal is to start the minor prophets, and you guys will have... Uh, you'll, I, I worry about some of you when you see Obadiah in heaven one day, and he says, did you read my book? And you go, you wrote a book? I'm worried about you, you know. <laughs> you know, these little books back here, you know, Habakkuk. Uh, yeah, uh, Habakkuk, you know, yeah, I read it, yeah. Well, I don't know, you know. Uh, it is true, very much so. Zechariah 2, um, look at verse 10. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion. For lo, I come, and I will dwell in the midst of thee, saith the Lord. Isn't that fantastic? He did that in his first coming. They stumbled over that. They didn't recognize it. This time they will recognize it. And many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day. Again, that day, kingdom day, millennial kingdom, setting it up, the kingdom. And shall be my people, and I will dwell in the midst of thee, and thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me unto thee. And the Lord shall inherit Judah, his portion in the holy land, and shall choose Jerusalem. Notice, again. That's that thing in Acts 1 when they say, hey, will you restore again the kingdom to us? They've had the foretaste. They've had the pictures drawn for them. They just didn't believe him. Now it's in. Be silent, O all flesh, before the Lord, for he is raised up out of his holy habitation. All of that is millennial kingdom. You hold on to Zechariah and go over to chapter 8, but run with me to 1 Peter 2. Peter picking up on this. <clears throat> Am I going too fast? I'm just trying to show you the whole goal here. What Paul's doing here isn't to teach you that you're back here and he's talking about you, the church, the body of Christ. The whole goal is see what God's doing with the nations. But through who? Israel. Why? That's the word. That's how it's going to work. So if he's doing this, then we through the scriptures can have what? Hope, patience, joy, peace, comfort in what? In believing. That just as God is faithful with Israel... He's faithful with us as well. 1 Peter 2, verse number 9. Just look, notice Peter here. But ye are, so he's talking to little flock, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, 
and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye, little flock, holy nation, royal priesthood, peculiar people, should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people. Well, that's the case, wasn't it, with Israel? They, they were in a low MI state. And, I'm sorry, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained what? Isn't that an interesting relationship that God has with his people? And it's a relationship of mercy. But didn't Paul say in Romans 9 and 10 there that he took the vessels of wrath and made them into vessels of mercy? He took the vessels, they were an honor, made them dishonor, and now they're back to, why? how can you do it? He had to get outside that covenant relationship. So what did he do? He hit the pause button. I have a VHS player generously donated to me by some of you fine folks. And I appreciate that because I have VHS tapes. And you know what happens? You get in there and you go, pause. And, it, and you see the speaker go. And it's like, okay, rewind it up. You know, why? That's what he did. He hit the pause button. Says, I'm going to come over here and do this. Go back to Zechariah 8. So what Israel is going to be doing in the millennial kingdom, in the kingdom, they're a kingdom of priests. They're a royal priesthood. They're a holy nation. So what are they going to do? Matthew 28, what are they going to do? They're going to teach, right? They're going to come in, and they're going to, they're going to take some the light of God's word, and they're going to shine it out in that darkness. Remember the Lord says, you got that candlestick up on a hill. Don't hide it. Let it shine. So let your light. You're the light. This is who, you know. I could just, I feel the frustrations of the Lord in his first coming. I can be, because I look at you guys and go, oh, would they just get it? No, I can see that, okay? But then what, is, what are they going to do? By the way, Matthew 28, they're baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But Acts 2, Peter only baptizes them in the Spirit. So why does he have to baptize them? Why are they going to be baptizing in the Father, Son, and Holy the Godhead? Because the Gentile knows nothing of the Godhead. Follow that? A Gentile to baptize me in who? Well, they're teaching. They're bringing all of that to light. After that ignorance is removed, now the Gentiles have an understanding of who? The Godhead. But until then, they don't. So that even in the baptism, it's a teaching opportunity. Here's God the Father, here's God the Son, and here's God the Holy Spirit. Zechariah 8, look at verse 20. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, It shall yet come to pass that there shall come people and the inhabitants of many cities, and the inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, Let us go, how? Speedily to pray before the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts, I will go also. Notice this. Now, they get a picture of this, by the way, in the Acts ministry. But this is, we're, we're talking millennial kingdom. We're talking kingdom. And how are they going to go down there to Jerusalem? They take in the slow train, get on the donkey. 
Are they over here on the, the well, the camel, fast train, boom, you know, get there a little quicker. See, they're not, they're not wasting time. Why? Because they know that the light and the king sit right down there. And let's go. Now, these are Gentiles. Verse 22. Yea, many people and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to pray before the Lord. And again, I'll remind you, when, when the Lord tells Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation that is not excluding great Gentile nations. He, great in what? Deuteronomy 4, you're my people. I give you my word. I'm talking to you. <laughs> okay? Verse 23. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, In those days, kingdom, millennial kingdom, it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold out of all languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, saying, We will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Now think about that. Ten to one. By the way, the number ten in Scripture is the number of the Gentiles. What are they doing? We've heard something. We've heard the preaching. What's that song? I saw the light. We saw the light, man. What did Rahab say to those spies? Some 40 years after the Exodus, we heard about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and uh, what, what do you need? Let me help you. They, and she claims the Abrahamic covenant with them. How did she do that? She heard. She saw it. You got t- there, by the way, the, the, uh, the skirt of him that is a Jew, that isn't going to be any Jew. Who's speaking in tongues? Think about Acts 2. That little group up in the upper room, the 120 and so forth, and then subsequent more as the believers come along. We're talking about little flock. We're talking about the true Israel of God here. We're out in the kingdom. They're out doing the Matthew 28 commission in those first thousand years of that kingdom reign. And what are they doing? They're out preaching and teaching, and the Gentile hears the word, says, you know what? I heard the word. Let's go, man. And they're in their language. He's reversed the curse of the Tower of Babel. Permanently, by the way. So Paul, go back to Romans 15. We got 15 minutes to clean the rest of this up. I hope you get the point that Gentile salvation has always been on the heart of the Lord from Adam on. It's just how to approach God. In the earth, prophetic program, we're going to approach God through who? The nation of Israel. Today, in the age of grace, we approach him mano to mano, man to man. We don't have to go through anybody. We don't have to walk an aisle. We don't have to go through a church. We don't have to go through an organization. We just speak right with him. That's grace, by the way. Romans 15, verse number 10, and again. I love that, and again. Next point, next proof. Next proof of of the Gentiles are going to, 
uh, glorify God for his mercy. Next proof that God, what God said he was going to do with the Gentiles in the Old Testament, in the prophetic scriptures, he's doing. And again, he saith, rejoice ye Gentiles. And, and the key in that verse is with his people, because that's a future thing. Verse 11, and again, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. Come back with me. That's a quote out of Psalms 117. Run back there real quick. Psalms 117, a great chapter here of two verses. Laud him, <laughs> all ye people. I hope you would never say that the kingdom would, would never include Gentiles. Because obviously... That day, that kingdom is really a great day of Gentile salvation. But it's coming through the instrumentality of the nation of Israel. The use of the nation of Israel. Psalms 117.1, O praise the Lord, all ye nations, praise Him, all ye people, for His merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. His merciful kindness is great towards us. It, it will be to the nation of Israel because he has to, he uses the Antichrist, the rod of my indignation, to do what? Take his people under, get rid of the dross, get rid of the rebel, clean them up. And then he goes over in the kingdom and he uses that cleaned up people, that chosen generation, that royal priest to go then down into and out to the Gentiles and their lot of inheritance as that expands out over the globe. And they go out there and they start ha hammering away. Not all the Gentiles will, will receive and will believe. Actually, I think a majority of them won't based on what happens when Satan's loosed. But what's going on? He, they're doing it. They're out there getting the job done. Come back to Romans 15. Next proof, verse 12. And again, Isaiah saith, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, and him shall the Gentiles trust. It's a quote out of Isaiah 11. Just run back there so you read it. Isaiah 11. I can tell you these, but it's, I think it's important that you read them. Isaiah 11, uh, it's actually verse 10, but if you look at verse 1, and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Those branch statements about the Lord. There's four of them. They match the four Gospels. Verse 10. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. People who? Israel. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. Well, anytime you see a reference to his rest, Psalms ought to pop in about the that he's chosen Zion as his rest. And that's kingdom rest. That's what the Sabbath is all about and so forth. So when you come back to Romans 15, Israel, he's going to, is he going to reign over the Gentiles one day? Is he doing it today? No. Is he going to one day? Yes. Is Israel going to, be where they should be, that channel of blessings to the Gentiles. 
They're not today, but they will be one day. And the Abrahamic covenant, Genesis 12, where the promise is made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. By the way, Jacob's name is changed to Israel, the 12 boys. You know, Jacob had a ton of daughters. He had a, he had a, there was a huge family there. He had daughters, plural. He had a lot of them. But the boys, the head, the patriarch, there they are. You go read, and then Judah is picked. I mean, Judah, the largest tribe of all of them. Could you imagine Judah, Mr. Judah, the man, looking around going, wow, look at this. And then the Lord says, yeah, but I'm going to go with Jesse, that family Jesse over there in your tribe. And there's going to be a little, little boy over there named David, and he's my guy. And it's going to be through David and his lineage where the scepter is now going to sit and reign. And that's going to end up being the Lord Jesus Christ. But not through Joseph, Matthew, but through Mary's genealogy in Luke 3. Because of that little curse that happens in Joseph's line. So now we're going to go through Nathan, David's boy. So we're not going through Solomon. By the way, Solomon ends his career as a picture of the Antichrist. That's how he dies. 666 is all over him. We're going to go through Nathan. There's the Savior. There's the King. There he is. And when Israel gets her promises fulfilled, then the Gentiles can do what? Glorify God for his mercy to them, but based upon a promise he made to Israel. Man, the verses. Um, do one with me. Go back to Ezekiel 36. Sorry. We got one more verse in Romans, but just I want, I want to point something out to you in Ezekiel 36. Jeremiah 31, 31 to 34 is where you find the New Testament and the Old Testament. That's the old, that's the old camp quiz, okay? And in Ezekiel 36, he amplifies and gives some more information. He starts there in verse, actually it's the whole chapter, but for sake of time. Verse 24, for I will take you from among, from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. That's obviously Israel. Again, you see a picture of it in Acts 2 when all of Israel comes and Peter stands and talks to him. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you. So that's the form of baptism. It's not dunking, immersion. It's a sprinkling. And ye shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. In order to make them a priest, what do they have to do? They have to be baptized. They have to be cleaned up. I, a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. So they need a new heart. That is the born-again issue. Get that old out. The old, I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. Again, you see a picture of that in, in Acts 2. What did the spirit do? He come in. Peter stands up. Peter hadn't studied a word in, in a day to get ready for those two messages, and he just goes at it, and he's quoting Joel, and he's quoting Psalms. How can he do that? He's, the spirit's working there. What did the Lord tell them in Matthew 10? where he commissions them. He says, don't think about what you're going to say. It's going to come to you. The Spirit's going to do it, see? What do they get here? They're getting a new heart. This is an amplification of the new covenant, okay? Now, let your eye run across. Again, he's going to multiply them. He's going to bless them. He's going to put them in there. Verse 36, 
Then the heathen that are left round about you shall know. By the way, left round about, that means Gentile nations will be still in place after his second coming and going into the kingdom. There will not be, sorry how Lindsay and all the other guys, a total world annihilation in his second coming. Doesn't happen. He has to have some Gentiles around. That's the goal. I, the Lord, build the ruined places and plant that that was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. Now watch. Thus saith the Lord God, I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of Israel. So the house of Israel is going to come to the Lord and ask him to do something. To do it for them. To do what for the Gentile? What did he just do for Israel? A new heart. He just gave them, baptized them, cleaned them up. Established a new covenant in them. And you know what Israel does in that new heart? They say, Lord, what you did for us, do it for these rascals. Because they Matthew 28ed with us and they believed and they're here. They Zechariah 8 touched and up we are. So give them the new heart too. Isn't that interesting? By the way, he says, I will increase them with men like a flock, as the holy flock, as the flock of Isn't this fantastic? Now come back to Romans 15, because now we've got to hurry to get verse 13. I just, you read that. Don't get lost and just think, again, the new covenant is made with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not you and I. But in that kingdom out there, what are they going to say? What you did for us, you blessed us, bless them. And he's going to say, I already in the cards, man. And he's going to do it. Now, look at 15.13. Now, with Romans 15.13, because here's where we're headed. With now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. If God and Israel can receive the weaker Gentile, then we can too. That's the point. Now the God of hope fill you. Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. Have the Spirit and the Word of God consume your life. Okay? That's what it is to be filled, to have all of the Holy Spirit. How does the Holy Spirit work today? He works through His Word. 1 Corinthians 2 is clear. He's working with words. He works through His Word. Actually, Genesis 1 is even clear. The Spirit moved upon the face of the deep, and God said, <laughs> and the Spirit went to work. They work together. They never work separate of each other. They always work together. Have that word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let's get filled. Let it consume your life. And if we can learn some things here from the Spirit, from the Scripture, that's going to give us the capacity to have patience and comfort and joy and peace in our walk. And what's going to do that? Where's the what's abounding? It's the doctrine in believing. In believing what? The doctrine here in Romans. He hasn't written anything else yet in our, okay? Now, I know Romans in the first book written, but it's here in the edification process first. So as young believers, as we're laying in the foundation of the 16 chapters here, we're coming to the end of it. And he says, listen, guys, you take all of these, 
all of this doctrine, let it fill you up. Let it consume you. 1 Thessalonians 2, look, look over there. You see, when you take everything we've been learning in Romans and you allow it to consume your life, your thinking, your habits, man, you're going to have such hope and joy and comfort and peace. You, you, could, you will get to the point where you care less what the stock market does. You know what, you know what the stock market does? Gives you one day, takes it all away the next day. It's crazy, up and down. You get whiplashed. <laughs> Quit looking at it. He tells Timothy to tell the rich to not be written his uncertain riches. <laughs> Why? It's here today, gone tomorrow. But what is always, who is always there? He is, and his word is. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, Paul says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. And I'm, I stress works where? In you that believe. We see all that God's going to do for Israel. We can see all that God's going to do for the Gentile through Israel. Then you know what? We too can have that confidence. Go back to Romans 15. That He's going to do it for you and for us, what He's promised us. And what has He promised you and I? Eternal life. All the spiritual blessings. That inheritance in the heavenly places. And guess what? Let God be true and every man a liar, right? And that's where we're at. Then you come to verse 14. And I myself also am persuaded of you. And he's going to embark now on some closing remarks to the Romans and to some other uh, folks. He's going to identify where everything's moving forward. By the way, this is the great passage that the great house church people use about the church in their house. There's a reason why churches back in the first century met in homes. They were underground. Rome hated Christianity in the first century. They were annihilating it everywhere they could. So where would you and I go if that was the case in government? (laughs) Underground. We'd be down here, you know, doing what we can. And we'll see that as we go through it. Just don't don't miss what Paul's doing in 15. What's this in chapter 14, 1 to 15, 7? Receive the weaker brother. Receive them. Not to doubtful. Don't argue with, don't condemn them, don't go after them. You can't let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. You can't accelerate their growth, but you can help their growth. And he says, just like that, look at what God's doing with through Israel with the Gentiles and the prophetic scriptures. Because as he's doing that, what's he doing? He's receiving the Gentiles, the weaker. And if God can do it, and Israel can do it, you can do it. Okay? All right. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the folks' patience to to traverse through the Old Testament and to look at it and to see your wonderful, see the riches of your wonderful mercy that you have planned one day to spread upon all people. 
and how that we today enjoy that mercy as you have already given a taste of it to us today in the age of grace. In your name we pray.